Welcome to the DNA Show. DNA? Dude, are we doing a science show? No, D is for Dennis. Oh, A is for Andy. And N is for and? Oh, man, nerds. Because we're nerds, dude. Yeah. Well, good. Then we can talk about comics and movies and pop culture and sports. Sports. Sports and nerds. Yeah, we're going to make that work. All right, let's roll. Oh, yeah. Heidi Ho, welcome back to the Dennis and Andy show. I believe we all know what that glorious music is. I'm Andy with my buddy. This is Dennis. Welcome back, everybody. What was that music, Dennis? Oh, it's football time. Football! Foot freaking ball is back. I am happy. God Favorite damn, sport. Favorite. Favorite sport. Favorite sport. I realized we actually just got business cards made up. And I did realize on our uh, the image that I created for the Dennis and Andy show, it says comics, movies, sports, and more. And I'm thinking to myself, it probably should have been comics, movies, football, and more because... Sports have been going on, and we don't really talk because I don't watch anything else. Yeah, the the basketball has really taken the the it deflated me this year. Even though my Bucks were 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 in it and stuff, and and baseball, same thing with it with the Brewers. But you know, football's always that renewed sense of hope, and especially this time of year when it's fantasy football time. Fantasy, we said on last episode, uh, we're. Dennis always does fantasy with his wife and his buddies and stuff, and somebody dropped, so he invited me in, and I was like, I usually don't do fantasy because I'm a lazy sack of crap, but I was like, let's do it, and I'm happy to say, Dennis, I did not lose this week. Huh. I did not lose. There's no L behind my name. But is there a W? There is no W behind the Dirty Boys either. There is a T. For tie. I was going to say, did you lose? Did you win? Did you play? Oh, we played. Oh, that's right. First tie of the season. First tie of the season, 109 to 109. I was amazed when I saw that. So what's always funny, we've been doing this for like 10 years now. My buddy Chad, who's in the, he's the commissioner of our league. He and I like almost every year wind up tying, usually at least one game, not always, sometimes two. And it's just funny. I mean, it's, it's, Kind of hard to tie in the league, but it's not impossible, but we usually wind up tying. Well, I haven't played Chad yet, but all of a sudden I found out Andy got a tie in the first week. It was Andy and uh, I think my sister-in-law from Oklahoma. So, uh, yep. yep, we got our first tie. Me? How'd you shake out? I... I I didn't shake too well. Uh-oh. I, I, I really did poorly my... Uh, uh, my both my quarterbacks let me down. I had Prescott from Dallas and uh, Stafford from Detroit. Both of them underperformed, and then the one that and Ingram, my running back, under way underperformed, and then the one that killed me. You know, and I debated. I had Minnesota's defense, but my Green Bay Packers stepped up and lit them up for forty three points. So that gave me negative four points for my defense. And I lost by nine. So all I needed was an average showing because if Minnesota would have got the projected seven, I would have won. If Prescott would have got me that extra touchdown and the few extra yards, I would have won. 
it, you know, it, but it is, it's a game of inches. It's a game of points. I tell and you. Lost. And so I'm a Dallas fan. Dennis is a Green Bay fan. So when we talk, we'll talk about our teams. Let's, uh, so you guys played Minnesota. Yep. Green Bay played Minnesota. And I almost texted you when it looked like Minnesota was going to win. Early on, they were up, and I was like, "You've yeah. got to be kidding me!" I should text Dennis. And then, as I kept watching, I, you know, I would flip back and forth. I had the Sunday ticket; that was an early game, so I would go back and forth between that and a few other games. And as I saw, you know, I think I went back and I saw Green Bay had the lead, and I was like, "Oh God, damn it! Forget it! Damn, he's going to get a win! He's going to get a win!" Yeah, and, and they did, and and it was close, but not super close. The Packers wound up uh, winning, um, you know, handily against Minnesota, forty-three to thirty-four. Did you just but say it was close? It, that it, is not close. It, okay, it kind of is close kind, because okay. you know, nine points. You know, it's a touchdown, field goal. You know, it's it, it. And they were scoring points left. Minnesota, uh, Minnesota scored twenty-four points in the fourth quarter. Right. So realistically, what's another 10 points just to, oh, and, that's true. you know, they, they could do it. So a couple of interesting things did happen during the fantasy football week because, you know, we, we talked about it on the earlier podcast. So I picked up Gronkowski as my yep. as my tight end. He's my dark horse. And uh, yeah, he didn't do anything. But what I was interested in was, you know, Tom Brady, Gronk, you know, on Tampa Bay. Yeah, Brady's my quarterback. Yes, he, did. he is. He got me some good points. Yeah. Not yeah. as many as I'd like. But but he, he did well. But he didn't get the win. Yeah. So, and then on the flip side, for all you Panther fans out there, you know, they they had Superman and, you know, he's over up at the Patriots then. That and was, he runs in two touchdowns. And that was one of the early games. So the early games I was flipping back for were the Green Bay-Minnesota game. The Cam Newton Patriots Miami game, which I pretty much knew the outcome of that game, even though I w- I thought this was funny. At the end of the first quarter, it was still zero zero. It has been fifteen years, they said, since a Patriots Miami game did not have a score at the end of the first quarter. <laughs> oh, really? I didn't yeah, because because Courtney. Courtney, my daughter's a Miami fan. Now her main team is the Bucks, but she likes all Florida teams. So. When it was 0-0, I thought to myself, actually, I think I even said it to her. I said, this has got to be some type of record. 0-0 Miami Patriots at the end of the first quarter. Yeah. And then the announcer's like, and this is a record. First time in 15 years since uh, the Patriots have not scored over Miami in the first quarter. Or there hasn't been a score, so maybe flip-flop it. Uh, So that was interesting. And then hometown, I flipped back to the Carolina game. The uh, Panthers, and I'm trying to remember who they played now. Um, oh, my God. Well, I'm, oh, they played the Las Vegas Raiders because I want to see how Teddy Bridgewater did. And basically this rebuilding of a Panthers team. And, you know, they they did they did pretty good. Yeah. So, well, I guess my biggest question with those two teams, with the Panthers and in, in, in Tampa Bay and, and or Patriots, and, you know, so with Superman and Tom Brady going to their new teams – Brady got the the L and oh, and and Newton got the uh, the W. This is what we've been talking about going into this season. I mean, there's a long way to go, but did the team revolve around the player, or was it the system that they were in? 
Is yeah, it the system? I think it's too early to tell. I, I agree. Because you also have to look at it like I would compare those games if the Patriots played a caliber of team of like th- that's in their same caliber, same league, no pun intended. Because basically you had you had the two best NFC South teams play against each other in week one. You had the Bucks who have a, you know, built a really good team with Brady in the forefront play against the Saints. You know, whereas you had the Patriots who are still, you know, a good team. Cam Newton looked really good, but they played, no offense Miami fans, they played Miami. Now, if they would have played somebody else in their division that was better or just more equal, more evenly matched, I'd be curious to see how Cam did. You know, and so we'll see. I, I, Miami I, you know, might be okay. And yeah, Eric, if you're listening, we know you're a a, get a Miami here. fan, but you know uh, it's it's okay. We're we're rooting for you, this Eric. Year. I don't know you, so all I can say <laughs> is I wouldn't want to be a Miami fan right now. Um, uh, you may see him on Saturday. <laughs> oh. Hey, buddy, how's it going? You might want to listen to the podcast. Andy just dissed you. <laughs> um, so then, going to my my team, the Cowboys. Was I let down by their loss against the Rams? No. And I say that because I legit went into it thinking they're not going to win. They're playing the Rams, who are a very good team in a brand new stadium. And it's the Cowboys. And whenever I get can be let down by the Cowboys, I usually am. So I kind of, I, I don't set my sights high. I just went into it thinking if they do win, the win close but they'll probably lose close. And what happened? Six minutes left in the game. I called it a night and went to bed because I saw it was 20 to 17. And I just thought, you know, six minutes in NFL football is at least 20 minutes of gameplay. I just didn't see it happening. I did not see it happening. And I wake up the next day and I see the final was 17 to 20. So I had that premonition, but I did not see, foresee a chance for them to tie it up and the new head coach, McCarthy, decide to not tie it up and go balls to the wall and go for it on fourth down. I'm justifying it. Dennis, this is how I justify not being so upset is if it was Jason Garrett doing that, I would have been like, dude, you've been the coach for a decade or so. Why? You know the team. Tie it up. But I figure, you know what? It's a new coach. There's been no preseason. So he's probably thinking to himself, you know what? I'm going to go for it. If we end up losing the game, it's only the first game of the year. It's not like we were going to have a perfect record. And I'm the new coach. I'm getting familiar with the team. Let's just put them out there, see what they can do. What the hell? I don't know. I mean, that's how I'm telling myself so I can get over it easier, even though I figured they'd lose. So after you got off your pillow that was wet from crying all night, you threw it in the dryer and then Pain you figured, cried, cried, cried your pillows sopping because the, the, the Cowboys <sighs> lost. This is the way I look at it. You know, McCarthy's the ex-Packer coach, you know, yep. got a Super Bowl under it. Um, yeah. How many times have we seen it where it was close? We had a lot of close Packer games in our time. And then, you know, extra point ties it up, and then two-point conversion could win it. 
or you lose it. Well, we'll kick the extra point, go into overtime. When, when, whenever he did that, most of the time, it was like, yeah, I think Packers are going to lose it. Luck just said, we're not going to get the coin flip. We're not going to do it. We'll screw something up. It's just bad news for us to go into it. I, I got I got a feeling some of that's in McCarthy's head going, right. you know what? If we kick the field goal here, which he'll make, go into overtime and we'll probably wind up losing it. So why not just get the win and go for it? I have faith that right. I have this big offensive line that can move anybody. Unless they can't this play. Right. You know, and was it a matter of they just didn't execute? Was it a poorly called play? So the thing is, McCarthy had the ex- uh, McCarthy experience in this season that he took off of coaching. So he broke down. It was, you guys can look it up online, but it's a, a really interesting thing. So he breaks everything down. You know, what is the percentage of chance that you're going to run this type of a play on this particular situation and this down, et cetera? And he, he he broke down football into this numbers game. So I'm pretty sure in his numbers, he was like, giving the scenario in this, we've got a X percent chance of making this work. Those are good enough odds for me. We're going to go for it. And it didn't didn't roll in its favor. It's like going right. to Vegas. Like I said, if this was like, if this was a, a do or die game, you know, late in the season, you got to pull it out, I would have been a lot more upset. But with the first game of the year, I have no no preconceived notion that Dallas was going to go 16-0. and 0. So I'm like, okay, they lost one. Get it out of the way, you know? Um, the thing that kills me, and I swear, every year, I wish the, the uh, analysts in the summer leading up to the season, it's like they always say, this is, oh, the Cowboys have such a strong team. This is their year. You can see him this. And, and I'm just like, what What do you, you've done that for like four years. Oh, they're going to rule the NFC East. And I'm just like, oh my God, would you shut up? Like, do I think that they're going to be probably first or second place? Yeah. Because I don't think the Giants are going to do that great this year. I don't think the Redskins are, but the Eagles are, are the team that worry me. Now I will say the Eagles game Sunday was phenomenal because the Redskins came back and scored some, I think 20 some unanswered points against them to win and I you know the who I mean Washington the Washington the football, Washington football team, team. You, by the way yeah, sorry I, we're going to say Redskins all season it's just it's, ne- it's well, even, just not even even stop. a couple of the announcers did it during the game yeah and they they were like I mean Washington yes. so the Washington football team Came back, you know, scored unanswered points on them and and won. And, you know, I've always liked Ron Rivera as a coach when he was here at the Panthers. Me too. He's a really nice guy. Um, I remember when he played for the Bears. Uh, he's just a stand-up, you know, you really get a better sense of a coach when they're, you know, coach the team that's in your city and seeing him in commercials and around town. He's just such a nice guy. And then, you know, over the summer or spring, he found out he had cancer. So he's, he's going through cancer treatments to the extent of during halftime, he has to get an IV. And one of the Redskins, uh, one of the Washington football team players stepped up to give a talk during the, you know, during halftime to the team saying, look, guys, we got to rally and come back. And, you know, I'm glad that he got a win now. Yep. I don't want them to be in the NFC championship game and I don't want them to be in the playoffs because they're in my division. Yep. But, you know, if 
I want him to have a nice season. Yep. I'll go that far. <laughs> See, and, and in the Packers division, I, I still think it's a toss-up. The Vikings, the Lions, and the Bears, they're all good teams. And uh, you just never know what team's going to show up this year. Let's do this. Let's go on the record and give our prediction for how, for me, the NFC East shakes down at the end of the year. And for you, the NFC uh, uh, Central. North. North. So for the NFC East, and we'll do it for each. So from, I'll break down what I think the top four in the NFC East will be or the four, you know, the order, and Dennis will, and then we'll do it with the NFC North. So for the East, because I'm a Cowboys fan, I'm going to go Cowboys at one. They, they win the division. At what record? I don't know. I'm not going to go that far. Oh, boy. I'm not going that far. Because I, I suck at that stuff. But we'll still be able to play the tape back, you know, weeks from now right. to see how we did just doing this. So I say Cowboys take the division. Eagles are second. I'm going to go Redskins at at three and Giants at four. He means Washington football team. I mean team. Washington football team at three <laughs> and Giants at four. All right. So that that's it. For the wet, for the North, I keep saying West, for the North... For the North at number one, I, I, I'm, I'm going to go Packers, and then I'm going Bears, and then I say it's um, Vikings and then Lions. Because I think the Bears, I was surprised to see the Bears win this past week over the Lions. Yep. And with... If if they do have to bench Trubisky for any reason, I think they've got a great backup in Foles. So I I, I think the Packers will pull it out, but I think and without getting into wins and losses, I think they squeak it out over the Bears. I don't think they blow it out with a, a ton of wins over the Bears, but I think they squeak it out. Then Bears second place, Minnesota Lions. All right, so. I of course am gonna go Packers for the for for taking it because I I think it's it's gonna be a tough season I I think it's gonna be like a ten and six nine and seven kind of season for the Packers take, yeah to take but that's winning the division I think right. it's gonna be you think the Packers could win with a nine and seven I, I do or ten and six all I, right I, I do once I, we get once you're done. I'll throw down some predictions, I guess, for the NFC East. So I think the Packers take it. I'm going to go with the Vikings. I think they have a more better, well-rounded team than the Bears, but I really think the Bears' defense, especially with Khalil Who's Mack. their quarterback? The Vikings now? Uh, Bridgewater. Oh, no, 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 Vikings um, is uh, um, Kirk, uh, Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins, yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, and he just signed a big extension and everything. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah Bridgewater moved on. Yeah, Bridgewater's same. Yeah. Yep. Or Panthers. Panthers. Yeah, Panthers. Yep. And uh I, I'm gonna say Minnesota um is just a well rounded team. I think they're gonna they're gonna come in second. Bears on the strength of their defense. And then I'm gonna say the Lions last, but it isn't like the Lions are gonna be like a two or three or four win team. Um Stafford's still a strong quarterback. They've got us yeah, he's still a good good. You think so? Well, you don't not, think not this his, week because he's my know, quarterback. But, but do you think he's on his like how many more seasons do you see him having? Two. Okay, so we're on the same page because yeah. I was going to say one or two. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I, I mean, he's on we his agree. down, but he's still yeah. solid. Oh yeah, yeah. He's yeah. still solid. He's better than some of the other quarterbacks that are out there. 
Let's see. In your division, I would probably go. I do. I'm going to say I I think the Eagles are going to have. I think they're just a. It's Eagles or Cowboys. And I I almost want to say Cowboys just because I think. I'm sitting right here. No, because McCarthy (laughs) is is a, a really decent coach. And, and um, I just don't know if he's had enough time to turn them around to make them viable um, because they put in a whole new staff. So I'm actually going to say I think the Eagles squeak it out this year. Um, and then I think the Cowboys come in second. But I think, uh, I think the Washington's going to be is, is going to be right there. I think they're going to be a better team than 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 what a lot of people are giving them credit for. And then in last place would be um Giants. The Giants. Yeah. Yeah. And I I just don't see the Giants turning around. Um but anyway, that's the way I kind of see it right now. All right, just to re- to get back to the NFC East for me. I said I said Dallas, Philly, Washington, Giants. I think Dallas will probably win it around I I can see 10 and six taking it. And then I just think, you know, I think Philly will probably pull up just short of one, you know, like nine and seven. Um, the other three, I mean, Washington, I don't know. I, I don't think they'll go 500. So I'll say seven and nine. And then the Giants, six and 10. Yeah. Right, maybe, right. Five, maybe five and 11. Washington's got a lot of turmoil and they've got stuff in the ownership and behind the scenes. There's a lot of distractions out there. Um, but if there's anybody that's going to hold that team together, it's Rivera. What if their new name was the Washington wannabe? Wannabes. Well, the Washington wannabes. Well, we want to be a pro football team. <laughs> Wow. wow. <laughs> the Washington wannabes pro football team. <laughs> so if Washington visits Charlotte this year, I think they're going to come knocking on Andy's door. We heard oh, what you said. And by the way, in the power rankings, Courtney ran them down before. the. So I, I know they've changed since yep. the week. But before the game started on Thursday, Courtney ran them down and Dallas was number seven. I want to say Green Bay was 13 or 12, something like that. That that would make perfect sense this year. Yeah, yeah I actually didn't see the power rankings. Um, I don't know what they are now. Go, going into them, but uh, yeah, that would make sense. But yeah. I don't know. I think Green Bay, so you're thinking nine and seven? See, I think Green Bay could probably pull out. Well, I don't know their whole schedule. That's the thing. I, I'm more familiar with Dallas's full schedule for the year. Besides Green Bay's obviously playing in their division, yep. I really don't know much about their schedule. So without knowing much about their schedule, it's hard to even put down a prediction for their win-loss. But I will, because I'm ballsy like that. I'll say, just to, just to be different from you, contrary, I'll go 11-5. and five. Okay. Well, here's and then, Kurt, and then And then I say then that if they make it to the NFC Championship game, Dallas beats them. So. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I then think- in the Super Bowl in Tampa... Dallas will go to the Sunshine State and bring home the big fat trophy. Huh. And they'll fly over Green Bay waving it as they come home. You they'll mean the trophy it. that's our namesake? I don't mm-hmm. give a shit yeah. whose namesake it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll, we'll worry about that. <laughs> so I did pull up the power ranking since you asked. because I So I what was are they for curious. this week now? Kansas City is number one. Still. Baltimore, number two. Yep. Packers, number three. Oh. Yep. 
And Saints number four. And that is Tennessee, this week. That's changed. Ten- Tennessee yeah, five. Yeah, okay. I was going to say, yeah. Buffalo six. Pittsburgh seven. Yeah, that's changed. Steelers eight. Ugh. San Francisco nine. Even though they lost. Wow. Rams 10. Cowboys 11. Uh, dump four slots. I, I can deal with that. Yeah. Who's last? Oh, hold on. I'll oh, that? Okay, so two two I need. Last and the Bucks. Okay, last is the Jets. Oh, uh, yeah. That's what they were, oh, I think. Then there's, Week there's, one. Doo-doo-doo. Uh, well, that means Bucks are somewhere in the middle. Oh, I figured they would be. They were higher up, anyhow. And oh, first week. They're higher than the Raiders. Oh, Vikings are 16. And uh, Buccaneers are 13. Oh, look at that. So they didn't move from last week. The Bucks were 13th last week and they're 13th. Oh, is that week. what it said? Yep. Oh, okay. Yeah, Packers were 8th last week. Oh. Oh, yep. that's right. They were one below the Cowboys. Yeah. But now they're number three. Yeah. <laughs> looking down. Whatever. Well, it's, they're looking down at win losses too. So, yeah, it's, it's a good start to the season. Not for fantasy, but for real football. That's right. So, so something fun happened this week. So I've been, Dennis. Where's, did you read your book, comic book yet? And I'm like, no, nah, dude, I can't find it. You bought one. I know. He was, he's been referring to the new Fantastic Four antithesis. And I misplaced my copy that I picked up at the shop this week. So I, I said, yeah, we got to wait, got to wait, got to find it. Lo and behold, while I was scanning in all my books, guess what? Found it. So we read it. So we get to talk about Fantastic Four antithesis it's a miniseries it is a four issue miniseries written by mark wade who has been you know very prolific writer uh i've known mark for years he's he's had great runs on the flash and uh fantastic four back in the late 90s early 2000s um he's written superman he loves superman the guy's like a superman encyclopedia he can just answer anything about the character uh he reinvented superman with superman birthright in the late 90s for dc so he's the writer and then legendary comic artist master neil adams is doing the pencils not pencils and inks which he usually does he's doing the pencils and what got me excited more was mark farmer is doing the inking. And Mark Farmer is a guy who's been around for 35, 40 years, but he's most known for inking an artist named Alan Davis. That I don't think Alan has worked with another inker in the past 30 years. It's just, oh. it's just you think Alan Davis, you're like, well, Mark Farmer's inking the stuff. So Mark Farmer inking Neil is something I've wanted to see forever because Alan Davis, one of his major influences is Neil Adams. And Alan Davis has always been kind of referred to, even though he has his own unique style, he's like, people would say, he's like a slick Neil Adams. Um, So I've always been like, God, I would love to see Mark Farmer ink Neil Adams and bring that slick brush line to Neil's work, because that's what Mark uses mostly to ink with. And then the colors are by another friend of mine, a, a woman named Laura Martin, who is just one of the top, top top colorist in the in the business so i mean you've got a list team on this on this book um it starts off with the fantastic four and one of their old old uh characters from the jack kirby days annihilus i know by the way i was very happy that is one of 
for the Fantastic Four villains, Annihilus has always been kind of one of my favorites. Oh, he's awesome. He's witty. He's just, besides cool, hanging out in the negative zone. It's always a good... I, I think he's underutilized, so he's... A lot of times, just like in this one, he's kind of a side character, but it was a cool just to see his his return once again. Um, So it starts off where they're in a construction site. Annihilus has gotten free of the negative zone. They've got to send him back. I mean, it starts with a gorgeous two-page spread of a battle between the Fantastic Four and Annihilus, construction workers running away. I mean, Neil Adams does cinematic, in-your-face, big stuff, and he does not disappoint. Um, after, after they deal with that threat, they basically go back to the, uh, their headquarters and they're getting a babysitter for the night. And, um, it it is almost out of continuity. It isn't out of continuity story because they're reading Sue's kids are kids. They're little kids. Right. Well, it's, it's out of, it's not in the the current timeline. Yeah. It's not in current timeline. Um, yeah, I, I thought it was, it was because, um, they give the babysitter is, um, Agatha. Agatha. Yeah. The older woman. Yeah. And then it was pretty hilarious because, you know, Reed Richards isn't very big into sorcery and stuff like that. He doesn't like to go visit her. No. Kind of mentions that. So she gets off, uh, gets the kids off to Agatha. Who's going to babysit the kids when, cause they're young. But my, my favorite part was, was in there. Okay, Reed, it's it's time. It's time for us to go out and have our fun and, and, and do our thing. During this, Reed is in his lab doing geeky science stuff because, you know, that's what he does. Right. And and comes right out and she tells, she tells Agatha, yeah, he's really working on something. It's something important. But he's always in his lab, but he's always doing it. And we know from the history, Reed loves his wife, but I swear he loves his science more. And then she uh, she's like, Reed, we need to go. Let's go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just a minute. And he's talking about anti-protons and all of this. And she does an awesome trick. She's standing in front of him. She uses her invisibility powers to turn her clothes invisible. So she's standing naked in front of him. And he's like, oh, time. She goes, I hate the fact that I have to do this. But in my mind, I'm thinking... Well, he still notices. <laughs> exactly. And it's, you know, it's, it's, it's obviously it's a Marvel comic. So Neil Adams drew from the behind, you know, from the back and covered the specific areas with, you know, nice color effect and stuff that Laura did, but she's standing there in the birthday suit. So that's, you know, that's fun. You know, it, it has some comedic moments in it. The big action moving forward is something basically comes hurtling towards earth and they don't know what it is. So they all have to go out there and try to prevent whatever this is from crashing into Manhattan. Right. He says it's like 80 kilos, um, you know, kilograms, you know, heavy traveling at like like 20,000 miles per hour. And they're like, well, and of course, Ben, which is just awesome because they, they, they put some pretty good comedy back in Ben. He goes, Oh, well, that's not so bad. Right. You know, I thought it was going to be, you know, worse than that. He goes, well, if it hits Manhattan, it's going to take out 12 city blocks. Oh, that is bad. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and they're like, well, we need to stop it. You know, Sue, use your force field. And she's like, uh-huh, can't. I, that's way too powerful. So Reed, of course, comes up with one of his brilliant plans using, you know, the the... 
the uh, unstable molecules, I think, uh, just like in their that Something they use like in their that, suits yeah. to help booster it, and they wind up stopping it. It hits, so they they've got everybody up flying, and they Sue uses her ability uh, with her force field and with the new device, and they're able to slow it down, and. It's not the meteor that they thought. It's not a comet. It winds up being there's moaning coming from it. And who emerges? It's the Silver Surfer. Oh, love the Silver Surfer. And um, we won't spoil why he's here and he's in such a feverish pitch and how he got thrown down to earth and everything. And he looks like he's half dead. Yeah, he's just not in good shape. You have to read it to find out why. But I guess a criticism... Okay, so so story-wise, I, I thought Mark nailed it on every point. Mark's always written the characters, I thought, perfectly. But, um, well, this actually isn't on Mark. Okay, so so art-wise, art-wise, I love the, I, I really, as a, as a fanboy kid, seeing Mark Farmer ink Neil Adams, from what I heard, Neil wanted Mark, because Neil likes inking his own work now, but from what I heard, Neil really wanted Mark to ink the stuff. Because Mark is from the Joe Sinnott school, and Joe Sinnott was the inker that used that inked all of Jack Kirby's Fantastic Four stuff, and was a Marvel mainstay heavyweight inker back in this in the day, and had a very slick brush line, and and actually inked Neil Adams on two issues of Thor in the seventies, and gave it a really nice slick brush look, and I I heard. So I don't know if it's true, but I heard through the grapevine that Neil wanted Mark Farmer because it's a Fantastic Four story and he wanted that slick brush line that Joe Sennett had, but, you know, Mark Farmer is known for now. So that's what I heard. And I thought the payoff was great. The the combination of Neil's pencils and Mark Farmer's inks are just a delight. Laura Martin did a fantastic job on the coloring. I guess my biggest, biggest... Uh, complaint is the fact that they give up the goose on the cover you you know when you when you're reading the story and you get to the part where there's that thing hurtling from space the big reveal down to earth you already know what it is you know it's the silver surfer because of the cover Right. And, and now I, I picked up the special <laughs> server surfer cover with somebody else on it. And I was like, well, obviously this is just a great cover. I'm picking it up, but I'm like, huh? As you, I was reading the story, um, I was like, well, the, uh, oh, I already know what's going to happen here. So yeah, so that- I was like, yeah, I wasn't so fond of that. Cause it kind of gave it away. Yeah. It was kind of a letdown and, you know, it ends with, you know, the, the reason the surfer's here. And then, you know, you turn the page and the last page is, you know, the cover for next month. And the cover for next month isn't giving anything away because the surfer kind of our surfer basically does. And granted, you could go to the Internet and see the cover for issue two, issue three and issue four. And even none of those covers give anything away. But this cover, it just gave it all away. I. I I would like to have seen, uh, because I like to be surprised when I'm reading the stories, I'd like to have seen just the cool shot of the Fantastic Four on the cover by Neil with, you know, a pinup shot, basically, with no surfer. Because then, reading it, I would have really been like, what? what is this thing coming down to Earth? Because Neil did such a great job. 
at hiding what it is inside this ball fire basically that he drew hurtling yep. towards earth you don't know if it's an asteroid you don't you don't know it could be any any space character it could be anything but as soon as you you know you pick the book up you see the cover and you automatically know that's what it is so you know it, it took it took the wind out of the sails for the big reveal yeah i i agree i oliver overall i think it was a a, a really good book um and i the 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 cliffhanger part, I'm like, oh, oh my God, yeah, now I saved, know why you wanted me to read it they, so badly. They saved it with the cliffhanger. Yes. Because when the surfer reveals why he's here, that's a good cliffhanger. Yep. So the cliffhanger is fantastic. I just wish the reveal of the surfer wasn't given away on the cover. Other than that, I mean, I'll go, I'll go, because uh, I'm such a Neil Adams fanboy, I'll go a flat eight. Well, for the CGC rating scale for how we rate books, I'll give it an eight, eight out of 10. Yeah, I'm I'm going to be close to that. Um, I liked the book. I thought it was well-written. It was fun. Um, if we take away what I didn't like about the cover with the reveal, um, I, I can't wait for the second one because I want to know what happens now. I, I'm going to go with an 8.5. Um, this is just, I think it's a four issue mini series, maybe three, but I think it's a four and I already added it to my, uh, pull list for, uh, for the rest of them. Cause I really want to see, I'm enjoying this. So I'm, I'm glad Andy made me sit there and dig through and, and find my, uh, book. So yeah, an eight, five and wow. it's got room to get a little bit better. Um, I hope it just doesn't go the other route. Cause I, I'm liking where they're going with this. Oh yeah. We'll review this just like we were are reviewing uh, Batman Three Jokers one issue at a time. Yep, and I we'll we'll, we'll try and get these out uh, on on time. Um, you know, so you can kind of keep up with it. So we had something cool. Um, we've had a, a couple of people asking. You know, we we've get we're getting some requests to review certain movies or certain comics and stuff like that. So we do it. Well, one of our uh, listeners uh, really. They hit us up and they're like, hey, the Deathstroke, Knights and Dragons, the movie came out. I really would like if you guys would would watch that one and and, and review it. And neither one of us did. So we're, we're giving a shout out here to uh, Michael Paterzo. He got a hold of us. He said, hey, I've got a copy. I'm going to borrow it for you guys. So I want you to sit down and watch it and review it. So happily, um, we wound up doing that. So um, thanks, Michael. And here's the review. So we, we were able to put it out there. And now just so you, you know, I'll set it up just a little bit. It is a rated R movie. It's yeah, an it hour is. and 27 minutes. <laughs> no, 37, man. Oh, 37. It's, uh, it's like full blown uh, running time for you know, what movies used to be. It's like what half the movies we saw in the theater uh, over the last few weeks have most comedies. Yeah. And it was, it was, uh, it's, it's not for the faint of heart in terms of, you know, don't, don't let your young kids see it. There's, there's There's a lot, there's a, there's a lot of blood. I I mean, bad language. There's some F-bombs. Well, I think it was halfway through the movie before I heard a character say shit. And and that threw me off. I was like, ooh, I like this. And then when I heard the F-bombs, I heard it once, right? And I thought to myself, that's the one. And then I heard it a couple more times. I'm like, no. This this is not a PG movie. And Well, but that was all later on in the movie. But I mean, the blood and, you know, it's Deathstroke. So you got to do it. It's just there, man. Yeah. It is, uh, I mean, it's, it's, the thing I liked about it was 
you know, to me, uh, to me, a really good movie has, you know, it's like a wave. If you look at it, it just has nice arcs going throughout the movie, ups and downs, you know, highs and lows. But then you see some movies that basically start off, you know, uh, lower and then they, you know, they, they gradually go up and get you to the, the highest point of the mountain. And you, and you realize when that happens and then the movie just starts going down towards the end and then it's over. So it's just like the shape of a mountain or a hill. But this movie was right on par with like, just had levels to the point of it, you know, the waves going up and down, just taking you through um, an emotional roller coaster. And especially with a character like Deathstroke, who you just really... I don't know. Deathstroke to me has always just been, well, okay, he's just a badass assassin. <laughs> I, no, I hate to say it. I know he's the original, but I've always called him the poor man's Deadpool, even though Deadpool is oh, actually yeah. the ripoff of Deathstroke. Right. I, I've always liked Deadpool, you know, better. Well, to me, Deathstroke was the, wouldn't Deathstroke take Deadpool out of it? Deathstroke's more the ripoff of the Punisher. Well, in, in a lot of ways. Yes. With, with, with swords. The, the what I liked about this version of Deathstroke was um, well number one he was um, voiced by Michael Chiklis oh yeah the Shield baby exactly which is one of my favorite dramas of oh my all God. time I so good love the Shield and anytime that um, Michael Chiklis is in uh, something like that I'm like I'm going to check it out oh, yeah. uh, regardless just because I I've liked him in in everything that that he's done you know he was in the fantastic four movies um you know and i i liked him in 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 that um so anyway once i found out michael chickles i'm like yeah i really can't wait to 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 see this and then he was in that super powered one that no ordinary family god i wish that stuck around that was such a good show i enjoyed that i really did i i enjoyed that so yeah and i'm gonna say i think throughout because this is basically a deathstroke origin story i guess you could um almost yeah, talk about because well, it talks about his family. yeah i mean it, yeah it, it talks about his family and yeah there's some flashback stuff for his origin but then what surprised me was his son and the origin of his son who is um jericho right which i totally forgot about because you know it, a lot of time passes in the movie when you're first introduced to his family, the kid's only like what, seven, eight. And then like 10 years go by. Yep. So you get to see him when he's 17, 18. And I never was even thinking Jericho until you see what happens to him when he's like seven. Well, he's Joseph. I mean, that's, they they do a nice job. He's just Joseph. Right. Um, But then you see what happens to, he gets kidnapped basically. And, uh, you just see what happens. So he gets kidnapped by the jackal. The the boy does because they they use him as leverage because they want Deathstroke to join the hive. Yep. And then Deathstroke has a fight with uh, the bronze tiger and Lady Shiva, right? It was Lady Shiva. Yeah, Lady yeah, Shiva. Lady Shiva. And I got to tell you, the fight scenes in this, you know, they've upped the game when you go see a movie like John Wick, you know, and you see those fight scenes and the quick cuts and... And stuff like that. And and obviously it's like, oh, that's a stunt double. That's not Keanu. But it doesn't matter because the the, chore, the choreography is so nice during the fight scenes. Damn, if they didn't nail fight scenes like that for <clears throat> like that for this animated cartoon. Yeah, the, the, I, the choreography were, was great. The choreography of these fight scenes and the direction. And I've never done storyboards for animation, but I have friends 
that have worked on various uh, DC movies. And it was funny, when this one was over, I actually stayed through the credits just to see if I know anybody. And um, I know one of the storyboard artists that's on it. But there, you know, there's a list of like 10 or so. And I actually knew one of them because I sat next to her at a convention uh, a few years back. And she actually attended the Kubert School uh, years after I did. She's younger than me. But um, I love being able to connect and see people I know that work on these and just think like, wow, the fight scenes that they pulled off and just even the quiet scenes because, you know, a little behind info on how these are made is the director of the movie will go through the script and then break it down into segments and assign different segments to different storyboard artists depending on the storyboard artist's strength. So if there's a storyboard artist on a team that is really good with fight scenes, well, they're going to get a fight scene. If there's a storyboard artist on the team that's really good at the quiet scenes, they'll get a quiet scene and so on and so forth. So I thought I just it was just a really good movie. I mean, I don't want to give too much away because I want people to watch it. <laughs> yeah, it, it was a solid movie. Um, the 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 weak point in the movie to me is, you know, you always kind of want to have a good, you know, your good arc villain. So they had the Jackal. Um, right. The Jackal was played by Chris J. Alex, and he was solid. Um, you know, he voiced him over very well. They just didn't give him enough background and he enough was, reason he was he was one dimensional right he was a little little vanilla um and we all know chris from you know extraction so he was in the the movie extraction yeah and um you know so they got a good guy to play him and everything like that i think the writing was a little weak for you know for the villains um you know lady shiva um when they wound up, when they started bringing the story of what happened with Joseph and how they trained to become Jericho, there's some really cool twists that they, you know, put in there as to what happens and what they're trying to do and and what's going on with Hive. So, you know, Hive is kind of like, they're almost kind of like Hydra or, you know, they're they're one of the, they're just a, a bad group and, you know, they, they try and do things. And then the uh, Hive Queen, I wasn't too familiar with her. Feyamata, I know she does voiceovers on, you know, a lot of uh, Japanimation type stuff, manga uh, right. type stuff. Um, again, I, I liked it, all the characters that they had in there, but they didn't give enough they did a great job of explaining the deathstroke his family going through it i mean i think it's just top notch what they did with his family they just didn't give enough setup onto the villain side so when the big fight came there just wasn't as much tension as there could have been it was solid it was fine but it could have been so much more. Now, granted, as we talked about, this is an hour and a half long movie already. Yeah. And I really think they could have spent an extra 10, 15 minutes explore and expanding on Hive's background and particularly them. I think that that I would be able to give this movie a, a better, a, a much higher rating. It was good. It just could have been better. And it isn't the best that DC's put out, but it was no, in no words, bad. I, I, I rather enjoyed it. They just could have done so much more, in my humble opinion. All right. So let's give it our uh, our hat tip CGC reveal, review, grade. Um, Yeah, I mean, I really enjoyed it for a DC movie. I thought they, they did a really great job 
uh, animate for you know an animated DC movie. I like Deathstroke. I like him more now because I, I haven't re- I never read the the series Deathstroke when it was out from DC. Just a few issues here and there. Yep. So I was never really like that committed to the character, but like Dennis, I love Michael Chiklis all the way back to the Commish, the Commish, yeah, his first show. But then the Shield is what turned me on to him big time. Yeah. So when I saw you know saw that he was the voice a voice actor, I was like definitely. And then the woman that played his uh, wife Sasha, um, oh, what's her last name? Alexander. Sasha Alexander from NCIS. She's fantastic. So. It is, though. The Jackal's a little one-dimensional. They kind of delved into everybody but him. So I, I'll probably go 7.5, 7.5 grade for it. Yeah, and again, we're, I think we're pretty close. Um, I, I'm giving it a 7.0. Um, I would have liked to have gone higher because I thought the animation was great. I thought the action was well done. And there weren't a lot of peaks and valleys. It was more of a roll, but it moved along and it told a good story. If they would have just expanded on on the villain side to make the big fight scene not just more important, but to feel a little bit better, I, I think this would have been. I I really could have jumped it up another point point and a half. Yeah. But but I, I that's where it was kind of lacking in my opinion. But overall, it was good. I like the fact it was rated R because you know they were able to you know. Deathstroke's not exactly a nice character, um, uh, and it was good that they were able to put some of the the violence and you know some of the cutting edge stuff that he's about you know into it. So I do commend him on that. So I'm going to seven point All right, cool. Well, thanks again for listening. You can always catch us on Facebook, Dennis and Andy Show, YouTube, Dennis and Andy Show, iTunes, SoundCloud, Launchpad iHeartRadio. My God, we are everywhere. Just ask your your Amazon or Alexa device and you they'll pull it up on there as well. There you go. Until next time, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Until next week, grab your 3D glasses, get your favorite comic books, roll them up and put them in your back pocket the way you should treat comics. Throw your pigskin up on the mantle. This is Dennis. This is Andy. Later, Later friends. friends.